But do you actually want to know the va- the value of why? Because I'll tell it to you. I think that's that's how we keep people listening all the way to the end. <laughs> dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. It is an area which we call the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This, this is, is Trish Rob McGregor and Rob McGregor and our tech magician producer John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trish's latest novel is Skin Shifters and Rob's latest novel is Tool Puzz, which is now available in audio as well as print and ebook. All right, and uh, today we've got Torin Atkinson uh, on the podcast. He's been a professional artist since 1996. He's created book covers, comic books, film production art, illustration for board, card, and role-playing games, album covers, tattoos, and T-shirt designs. But I know him as one of the founding members and lead singer for the Canadian rock and roll power pop band, The Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. Uh, Torn and lead guitarist Warren Banks formed the band in 1992. Uh, the band's name is drawn from a phrase in H.P. Lovecraft's story, The Tomb. Uh, and uh, At- Atkinson and Banks decided to create a band around the Cthulhu mythos because it was a topic that they were interested in and it was a unique niche that needed to be filled. Uh, I ran into the thickets at DragonCon, uh, a science fiction and comic book convention, back in the mid to late 90s and have uh, uh, been following Torin in the thickets, the thickets ever since. So uh, we want to welcome uh, Torin to the Mystical Underground. And welcome. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> hey. Great to be here. Yeah. Did you say Tulpas? Yes, Tulpas. T-U-L-P-A. Tulpas? Yes. Oh. yes. Have you heard oh, of nice. them? What does that mean? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, oh, okay. a, that's a new word for me. <laughs> okay, tulpas are creatures, beings that are created through deep meditation. Uh, this is something that was first um, discussed in the 1920s by a British uh, uh, adventurer uh, who went into the uh, Tibet into the uh, sacred realms of the uh, Tibetan people and uh, was able to become a uh, acolyte uh, of, uh, of a monk and uh, learned this uh, practice uh, from the monk who was able to create uh, 
a being through deep meditation. And so she is, is a woman, actually, and she learned herself to create uh, a tulpa, but uh, her tulpa was uh, kind of egg-shaped and with short arms and short legs and was very uh, not uh, not a friendly being, and she eventually had to learn how to disperse its essence <laughs> to get rid of it uh, from her life. Mm. And anyhow, so uh, this or is... Or of Lovecraft. This is the ba- yeah, this is the basis of... Uh, the uh, the tulpa uh, myth oh, and the, and cool. the, the novel. Yeah, I've been learning more about meditation uh, to reduce my levels of anxiety, and I noticed there's a new uh, documentary series on Netflix about meditation. So I actually started oh. watching that. Oh, cool. But I haven't gotten any tulpas yet. But I'll let yeah. you know if that <laughs> yeah. something manifests. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope it's a good one. <laughs> and actually, and actually, today there are. People, uh, thousands, there's websites, there's people, thousands of people who are interested in this subject and create their own tulpas, but they, uh, most of them are uh, tulpas that speak through them as if, almost as if they're possessed by these beings and Ooh. not manifesting as physical beings that I can see, but there's a, a lot of, uh, a lot of that uh, on the internet. Sounds well, scary. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know it does. <laughs> right. So you you, uh, you you guys were both at uh, Dragon Con in the late '90s. I was there, and Trish was there. I think it was '98 or '99. With uh, I was with uh, Billy D. Williams. We had a book uh, out, and we did a signing there. And uh, you, I wonder if uh, either of you remember Billy D. Williams Williams being at uh, Star Wars. Uh, at Dra- uh, oh Dragon. my gosh. Dragon Con, I think that was where I met. Um, uh, oh, oh, now I've uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. The original uh, Jeremy Bullock, J- the original Boba Fett, the man who behind the mask, who uh, sadly just passed away. Uh, and I also met um, Peter Mayhew there. Uh, in uh, ah. met them in a kind of a green room party. So that was that was a fun time. I don't remember Billy D. Williams being there. So I'm not sure if it was the same year or <laughs> yeah. I actually don't remember which year it was. Yeah, I'm sure the yeah. I'm. Sure to the internet could tell us. <laughs> well, yeah. we do know it was pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, by, by, no, by we went to. We decades. were invited there to play, uh, basically to open up for Guar. So this was supposed to be all arranged that because we were coming from Canada, so we crossed the border and we said, uh, if, you, if we can use Guar's equipment, uh, then we won't have to bring any any of our stuff over the border and it'll run a lot smoother. And they said, yes, we're going to organize that. <laughs> And it's all taken care of, no problem. See you there. We arrive, and they say, uh, Guar won't let you use their equipment. Oh my God. So we actually didn't open for them. We opened, we played during the opening slot, but we played in a different room <laughs> with a different band. So that was really disappointing. And, oh and I was in that room. <laughs> I was in that room. Uh-huh, and, there you uh, go. Well, yeah, and, well, and at least one person there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were there were there were there was there were it was uh it was a, a for a uh, for a banquet I guess a banquet room at a uh, convention it was uh yeah it was a pretty good crowd uh yeah I remember I was trying to convince uh, some of the uh some of the group that I was there to uh, go because I was like I've got to find out what a darkest of the hillside thickets is and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I'm still trying to. Find <laughs> <it>. <laughs> they, uh, I couldn't convince anybody to go with me, but I went and I had a great time. And uh, actually, met y'all the next day. 
I'm not and not to fanboy out on you, but I'm looking at the copy of Great Old Ones that I bought from probably you and Warren the next day uh, after the show. Nice, but yeah. uh, that's a collector's uh, item. We don't sell those online. Is that Buddy? Yeah, no, it's somebody not Nigel. Just, yeah. Somebody just upset yeah. Buddy. Um, with the uh, Dragon Con and the, the the mess up at the beginning, there is similar to what we've had numerous times yeah, with sure. writers conferences. Where oh, we, we got tons of your oh, books. Yeah, you we get to... we get invited, we go there, and there's no books. You know, and <laughs> why uh, did we come here? Uh, yeah, this so we have we have a history as well. Like almost every every event that we go to, something goes wrong. Uh, like the last time we went to the States was for the Necronomicon in Providence, Rhode Island. That was a few yeah, years right. back. Uh-huh. And so and so there was a big festival happening at the same time uh, mm-hmm. uh, as the actual Necronomicon. So there was this whole outside area where all this performance stuff was happening. So they set, up, uh, set us up on the stage. We had one of our friends from New York come to play guitar with us because uh, that happens sometimes, Thomas Falk. Uh, he actually did all the electronica music on our Spaceship Zero album, but he's oh. a, he's an accomplished guitarist. And yeah. so uh, about, I think, feel like less than halfway through, the power went out on oh, half God. of the stage. <laughs> uh, so there was, you know, some semi-acoustic, semi-acoustic stuff happening. Uh, right. You know, it's the usual uh, uh, fracas that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that happens. Well, it's comforting shows. to know when, when the show is really important, <laughs> something goes wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Glad it doesn't just happen to writers. <laughs> so how did how have you kept a band together for what twenty eight years? Twenty eight years? That's amazing. Uh, I feel like the secret is not to take it seriously at all. And uh, we were all friends before we were in a band, so yeah. there was there's no like musical egos fighting against each other or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like it's really just a hobby for us. Yeah, and you live in the same city. An excuse right? to get together. Yeah. We actually don't. We used to when we started the band. Ah, okay. uh, but uh, right now, the five different band members live in three different cities. Oh, wow. Which city are you in? Yeah. They're within like an hour and a half of each other. So uh, <laughs> when practice time comes around, uh, you know, we can make it work. But it's uh, yeah. it's a little inconvenient. So have you ever just quit the band and ended it and then restarted it? Or has it been continual? No, there's, been, there's been none of that. There's been no breakups and get get oh, back together. Okay. <laughs> None of those famous breakups. You know, we usually we usually take like after we do a big album, we usually basically take a year off anyway. And uh, unless we're like promoting the album, there'll be like a a lull. We are currently now experiencing a lull thanks to the pandemic as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where is, where are you in Canada? So I'm in Vancouver, BC, and, okay. and uh, okay. we have band members in Chilliwack and Abbotsford, which are kind of not really suburbs, but they're their own cities. I like the bands that uh, announced their last tour, and then a year later, <laughs> another last tour. Yes. <laughs> Our last, 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 last tour. Right. <laughs> Come see us while we're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, uh, so how 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 did the uh, how did the Lovecraft thing come about? What what was the what brought the music and and Lovecraft uh, together? Was was or we what, were? Yep. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were really into the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game mm-hmm. in the early 90s. Um, 
And uh, I was playing uh, with Warren Banks, uh, the co-founding member of the Darkest of the Hills, I think, as we were playing Call of Cthulhu together. And around that time, we, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the band Mystery Machine, but they were kind of like an indie darling in the early 90s. And they were all our friends from high school. So we thought, well, if they can do it, <laughs> let's just, let's give it a go. <laughs> of course, we didn't have any musical training or anything like that. So we're like, we need an angle. We need a gimmick. What can we do? Mm, oh, we all like Cthulhu <laughs> and we all like monsters. So let's dress up in monster costumes and just do silly shenanigans. And so our first live show was actually opening up for Mr. Machine. And we played like three, maybe four songs. And it was mostly just noise and, uh, you know, costumes and just, uh, you know, sh shenanigans. <laughs> we always our philosophy has always been, uh, you know, entertainment is we want to put on a good show. Even if the music sucks, at least, you know, you came and you saw and you, you had a memorable experience. And you had fun. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually we kind of learned how to play instruments and stuff like that. Well, what, so, I mean, what, what would you consider the musical influences? So, so Call, the, the Call of Cthulhu and the Cthulhu mythos was the thematic inspiration. What was the musical inspiration? Yeah. Well, you know, it being the early '90s and grunge being a thing, that was sure. really kind of where we where we started. You know, we were all listening to Nirvana and uh, another local band called No Means No. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of it's basically a punk band, so uh, <laughs> they were a big influence as well. And Black Sabbath, of course. You know, you always got to credit Black Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, kind of like you know, like grunge slash punk slash metal slash pop because our music is usually pretty melodic so i'm not mm -hmm. a, i'm not like a, i'm not the i don't sing like this <laughs> so, so there's, you know, there's, right. and me and my brother are are you know we're, we're, we're fairly decent singers so uh my brother merrick would uh who's actually our bassist now he started out as kind of like a background singer and uh so we would you know there's harmonies and things like that oh, cool mm -hmm. well and and to kind of bring it so to kind of bring it around uh, uh, almost full circle, so uh, you release uh, Cthulhu Strikes Back, Great Old Ones, and then Spaceship, Spaceship Zero comes along, and along with, or so, and, and alongside that album, or maybe, maybe slightly after that album, uh, you release uh, Spaceship, Spaceship Zero, the role-playing game. Uh, so... That's out. right. Yeah, and so which so was which, which concept came first? Was it an RPG or an album first? It was definitely we were like, what are we going to do for our next album? Um, and uh, let's let's do a concept album, mm -hmm. and we should do a soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist, but we can pretend we can play it as though the the movie does exist, and it kind of <laughs> just blossomed out from there, like. At this point, like we, when we released the CD, we had a screensaver, a Spaceship mm -hmm. Zero screensaver, a Spaceship Zero video game. Uh, eventually, I did some comic book pages, and actually, just a few years ago, we we got some friends together and did a. We actually did. So the movie was supposed to be based on an old radio show that later became. It's very convoluted. That later <laughs> became a German TV show. <laughs> That later became this movie that was supposed to be released. The movie didn't get released, but we had permission to release the soundtrack to the movie that wasn't released. 
and so, yeah, so uh, we actually did go back and make those radio plays. I put them on YouTube probably about two or three years ago. Oh, so wow. you can listen to the, the quote-unquote lost episodes of the Spaceship Zero uh, radio play. And it's all done in the... You know, 1950 style with the Vitopep presents the Spaceship Zero Adventure Hour kind of thing. So we had a hoot doing that, and the and, video looks pretty. And, and yeah, so Nash and yeah, yeah, the video looks pretty complicated. Was it difficult to put together? Uh, for 20 minutes of oxygen. Uh, do you mean the yeah. 20 minutes of oxygen right, video? Yeah. 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 Um, that was another. Uh, uh, one of my role-playing friends, Mike Jackson, uh, who's the director of the video, he's kind of like been doing uh, independent film, uh, bas well, basically since uh, college, probably. And uh, so, and he always wanted to do something with the band because uh, we were, you know, we were kind of like fans of each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, it came, to, uh, one of my other friends who works, uh, well, I'm in Vancouver, so it's kind of Hollywood North, so there's a lot of people who work in the, in the film and TV industry. Yeah. And... Um, there's a TV show called, oh my God, Falling Gravity? No, that's not it. Anyway, there's, there's this, there was a science fiction show that was being filmed, and then it wrapped. And one of my friends, Casey, he works in the prop and set department, and he said, I've got all the set stuff for uh, like the spaceship from this TV show. Yeah, that's uh, where do I Do you guys want to use it for something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he had that all, he had that in the studio, he'd set it all up, he'd lit it up and everything, and we were like, yes, we absolutely do want to take advantage <laughs> of this opportunity. So Mike and, uh, we got together with Mike, and we raised $5,000 uh, to basically, you know, for all the film and any other production expenses. There's a, there's a, an area in Richmond, which is a kind of a suburb of here, which is like flat dune. So we use that for like the, the alien landscape that we, that we shot that section on. And uh, then we just did a bunch of stuff in like the studio with like the floating around in space. And, and Mike is a wizard with the, with the effects, the visual effects. So uh -huh. he did, he did, you know, apart from the music and us showing up, he did most of the work. Yeah. So, uh, wow. The floating we were very hammer. happy with how it yeah. turned out. And he just, we just released last year, he did another video for us for our song, Arachnotopia. Uh, which, <laughs> I love is, these names. The budget is much lower, but it's quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arachnotopia is about, uh, the song is about uh, a guy who is like, I've, I've had it, the world, humankind has had its chance. It's time for the spiders to take over. Oh my God. <laughs> so he wants to build this Arachnotopia. Very Lovecraftian in his way. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And so, uh, so, so, at what point did the uh, RPG come to uh, come come into the picture? Oh yes, that was the original question. So. <laughs> no problem. All good uh, stuff. So I had been working. I'd been working in the gaming industry doing illustrations. Uh, for various D&D &D and Call of Cthulhu books for, uh, well, I guess by that time, probably around five years or so, four or five years. And so I had a good relationship with Green Ronin Publishing, uh, who had been doing a lot of D&D &D books. Uh, and so we kind of approached them and said, do you, we, if we make a role-playing game based on our Spaceship Zero property, do you guys want to publish it? And they're like, yeah, we've kind of been thinking about stretching out from the D&D &D world and trying new things. So... So, you know, me and a bunch of my friends, me and Warren and a few other folks around here basically sat down and wrote it all out. Uh, I did a large chunk of the illustrations, but also we also hired out some uh, to various other artists uh, locally and, and abroad. And um, 
Yeah, they were nice enough to publish it. It won a Silver Any Award uh, for Best Independent uh, Role-Playing Game the year that it came out, but uh, not a lot of sales, sadly. So there wasn't any follow-ups. Oh, no. Well, it, uh, actually, uh, yeah, got a copy of that here, too. So I was one of those as well. But, uh, yeah. And, and, and Excellent. Thank you yeah, for your support. Yeah. <laughs> We're experiencing some technical difficulties. Bear with us as we get Trish and Rob dialed back in on the Skype-in number. In the meantime, enjoy this interstitial, darkest of the hillside thickets, Arachnotopia, from their latest release, The Dukes of Alzheimer's. Uh, I believe you can. Uh, I don't think it's out of print. I believe you can get it uh, if you order it through a game store uh, or mm-hmm. off of Amazon or GreenRonin.com. I believe. Okay. 
and did that uh, did and so did that experience lead you into any other uh, RP, you know any other game work or any collaborated uh, collaboration on any other RPG uh, RPGs or any other games? In terms of, of writing, uh, that kind of led to the project that I'm working on now, which is a post-apocalyptic setting uh, called Ruination, which is kind of a very cartoony, but also adult and gory, kind of like an adult swim <laughs> kind of <laughs> like uh, take on the post-apocalypse with cyborgs and mutants and uh, <laughs> also mutated animals, like in the style of kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles after the bomb. Uh, and that's using the same basic uh, role-playing system uh, that Spaceship Zero, but it's a different setting, and I'm adding a bunch of stuff to it. And I've been working on that for probably about 10 years, kind of just like, you know, getting together with my friends, and as we go, like, I write stuff down. So it's uh, it's ah. still a ways from being done, but, uh, yeah, it's coming together quite nicely. Cool. I'm Warren, still playing it, like I played yesterday. Say again? Warren, do you have, you have weird dreams? I mean, creative dreams? Uh, occasionally, uh, sometimes I get ideas uh, <laughs> from my dreams that I write down and and become part of my creative, uh, you know, my creative oeuvre. Usually, it's just my dream is like I've I've taken the wrong bus and I'm lost in a strange city. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know that dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do. I do have the dream, of, you know, taking a train and I'm not having a ticket or not having my luggage. And I never take trains. So <laughs> why would I dream about trains? <laughs> I guess I'm in. Yeah. Um, Something. So, uh, so any any uh, time frame on uh, on the uh, on the new project? Uh, uh, as far as I uh, wouldn't your, want your, to your, make your, your play testing right now for I'm ruination. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, I'm play <laughs> testing right now. I actually just released. Uh, there's a, a YouTube channel that I subscribe to called The Burnett Work, which is uh, basically it's Robert Meyer Burnett, who is the uh, writer and director of I'm a big Star Trek fan. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. So he has he talks about Star Trek a lot on his channel and he uh, directed the uh, movie Free Enterprise. So I started watching him about a year ago. Uh, while I was, uh, my day job is storyboarding, so I'd watch a lot of YouTube while I'm just drawing anything that I can listen to and not really have to watch. <laughs> so he's just sitting in front of his camera talking for an hour, or two hours every day, so that's fine. And he said, you know what, we're going to do a film festival on my YouTube channel, so everyone should submit a film. And I thought, you know what, I've been looking for an excuse to do, uh, to work with some of my, the storyboard software that I've been using at work to make my own little project. So I put together basically, uh, it's not really an animated cartoon, it's more of an animatic, which, if you don't know what an animatic is, it's kind of like a storyboard artist does story or a team of storyboard artists do their storyboards. And then in an editing program, you put the storyboards together with music and uh, sound effects and uh, voice acting to create a kind of like a bridge between uh, the concept and the final of a, of a cartoon, which is, and the, uh, the animatic is something that's used by actual animators to do the proper animation and everything so they know what's going on. Um, so I did this kind of animatic for Ruination, which is basically a commercial for the game, but right now it's its own short film 
that's on uh, the Burnett Work uh, YouTube channel, and it's super zany and very violent and gory. And and some of the people have commented that it's like this belongs in the heavy metal movie, or it's something you would see on Liquid Television on MTV back in the '90s. And I and I thought those were very excellent compliments. I was very happy with those. Very cool. How, how did, what's your background? How did you get into this? I mean, how did I get into into all you're doing? <laughs> do you mean uh, everything that I'm doing? Well, that's a long story. Well, or uh, as, far, as far as far as as far as the uh, as far as the art and the and put it in yeah, the, the ability art, yeah. to put together a uh, 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 animatic like that. Yeah, well, the art you know is really where it all started. I was drawing dinosaurs ever since I could hold a crayon and, you know, I was always fascinated with monsters. So, you know, I developed those skills through school and college and, uh, I was, I got into gaming when I was like 15 with Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, I started drawing all the D and D, you know, doing, doing all the things, a, a nerdy kid who likes monsters and role-playing games will draw and that, uh, you know, I just kept at it until I started approaching uh, Pagan Publishing and and Wizards of the well. Back in the day, they were TSR, not Wizards of the Coast, the publishers mm -hmm. of D and D, and say, "Hire me, hire me!" And eventually, they did. <laughs> and so that developed. Uh, I was I was doing that freelance art for basically like from 1995, 96 until the early 2000s. Uh, and then there was kind of a crash in the work uh, around 2003 and 2004. So I just I was just doing odd jobs for a year or two, and I started to get into comic book production. So I took a comic book course uh, at a local um, school, and that artwork got me into the animation industry because the Atomic Cartoons here in Vancouver was hired by Marvel to do a whole series of motion comics. So like X-Men and Wolverine and right. uh, Inhumans and Eternals. And so they, based on my comic book artwork, I came in with my portfolio, uh, I was referred by a friend and they said, yeah, we'll get you on. And so I started drawing uh, Marvel characters for a couple of years uh, and that was great. Well, is everything done on a computer then? Yes, everything these days. This is done on computer. Uh, my, I went from doing the character illustrations on those motion comics to getting into prop and character design for cartoons. And then I, I started doing uh, storyboards for uh, Atomic Cartoons. And that was probably mm -hmm. like really like the right place eight years ago. So was that difficult to yeah, go from freehand drawing to the computer? Uh, it was a bit scary. Um, but uh, once you get a handle on the software, um, having an undo button when you're drawing is very helpful. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. yeah, that is good. So did you, did you have a high school rock band started in high school? No, I was never. No? Uh, my high school life was there was no extracurricular activities. I went to school. I hated it. Uh, <laughs> and I came home. And I drew in my basement from, for the most part. You know, I started to I started to hang out with more of an artsy crowd when I was in grade eleven and twelve. So I kind of got into a community there, which I uh, I'm still friends with most of those people today. And uh, but for me, the music didn't really start until yeah a, a couple of years after high school. And again, it was just kind of a, like a lark. 
kind of a ridiculous thing to do because we were bored. <laughs> so you really followed, I mean, in terms of drawing, you really followed your passion then. Yes, I was poor f for a very long time. <laughs> no, but period. you can do it. You can have a career in art if you stick with it. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I basically have my dream job right now, so I'm really happy. Uh, Sorry, say that again? Uh, I asked because our daughter is an artist, and that's how she makes her living. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Not doing oh, yeah. art, you do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actual, yeah. It's more of the commercial, the dog Like painting commercial. and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, painting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and, she, and at Christmas time, she's very busy doing, uh, <laughs> putting uh, dog por uh, origin original dog portraits on... Uh, uh, Wine glasses, Wine. mugs, <laughs> Christmas ornaments. Oh yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that, in that kind of interim period that I was talking about, like after I was doing freelance for D and D and stuff like that, and then getting into animation, I was like, I got to put my art on like Etsy stores and you know, yeah. print T-shirts yeah. and stuff like that. So any any creative outlet I could make a few bucks on, I was like, yes, I'm pouncing okay. on it. Yeah. yeah, she's got her own Etsy store too. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, um, uh, so, Run Nation will be on the lookout for that. I've got the link to the uh, to the uh, uh, video on uh, Rob Burnett's channel. We'll put that in the description when we post. And um, wonderful. Uh, I guess uh, is is there uh, just let everybody know where they can find you, follow you, that kind of stuff. Sure, I'm on Facebook. Uh, both as my personal profile and Torn Atkinson artist. Uh, and I have an Instagram account, which I also believe is Torn Atkinson artist. And uh, if you're a fan of the band or if you want to learn more about it, and I, I'll give you guys, if you guys want to add a song to the podcast or anything, just let me know. We, we can work that out. Sure. Uh, but you, uh, the Darkest of the Hillside Thickets is also on Facebook. And now we are on Discord as well. Oh, okay. oh and Bandcamp. So go to Bandcamp. The dark, <laughs> search for The Darkest of the Hillside Thicket on Bandcamp. You can listen to all of our songs uh, streaming for free. And then if you like it, buy it. I absolutely <laughs> would like to uh, play the math song as we, uh, as we go out. And can you tell me what the, what is the value of why? Your facts. Your figures. What are they worth now? Huh? Are they worth the lives of seven billion people?
<laughs> uh, great question. We actually, so the math song was a song that we, uh, I didn't know it at the time actually, but there was a, there had been a couple of math songs before that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's an artist called Sheldon Allman who has a song, which is, Oh God, what's it called? I'm actually going to look it up real quick because <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to get it right. Sheldon Allman math song. It's, uh, X squared plus two, uh, and that's a hilarious math song. But we thought let's let's do a song that's like a mathematical equation. <laughs> How would you translate that to lyrics? <laughs> so we actually had one of our fans and friends, uh, Mike Tice, help us with uh, with the math because I'm I'm actually not that great at math, but I thought it was a cool idea. And so we the entire song is an equation and. You can't really solve the equation just by listening to the lyrics, but we wrote down the equation in the liner notes for the album. So if you bought the album, you could you could solve it. And we had a contest. We were like, oh, wow. whoever gives us the correct answer to the math song. I can't remember what it was. So it was like, here's some pins or a shirt or something stupid. <laughs> um, but do you actually want to know the the value of why? Because I'll tell it to you. I I. I think that's that's how we keep people listening all the way to the end. <laughs> all right. It's 0. 0.01. Uh, any particular significance to that other than it's just a very small value? No. Or? <laughs> it, was, it was like, we should, get, we should get something that's close to zero. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty interesting challenge making those lyrics. So uh, at some point, I was like, okay, that's good enough. Within the context of uh, Spaceship Zero, was did that equation have anything to do with the uh, uh, better than light in it BTL driver? No, it, it didn't really have any significance, but it sounds cool, doesn't it? So let's say, <laughs> okay. let's imagine that it did. Just yeah. the concept of uh, combining <laughs> math and music. Yeah, really. Uh, seems uh you know just a little mind-boggling to me yeah Uh, yeah we i always like to you know i like to challenge myself that's why we did a song in german and another song in middle egyptian is because like let's do something crazy and see if we can make it work torn we appreciate it sorry for the technical issues yeah no problem thank you so much for having me it was a delight Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.